I'm Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. And this is the Ashcast. This is Electric Sisterhood, podcast episode number 630. Touch things only when you're invited. This is Electric Sisterhood, home of the original. The fucking original. Girl Gaming Tech Gadget and Anime Podcast. I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Welcome to a brand new episode of our weekly podcast, Panda. Ninja. How you doing? Good. Better. Best. Yay! Be best. I am the best boy. <laughs> All I do is win, win, win. No, I lose a lot, but I do I it lose. graciously. I, I, I don't do it graciously but i try you know and that's all anyone can ask of you is to try that that's it is just that you try i'm just i'm excited that my voice came back in time for me to do this podcast because it didn't look like that was going to happen for like the longest time but here i am and i have some bass back in my voice because i was a good girl and i rested good Uh, and on the third day she said fuck it i'm tired Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, so PAX East went down this past weekend in Boston, and I got to go out and meet with a whole bunch of our friends in the community and just have a good time and, and uh, touch some stuff, which is always good to touch stuff when you're invited. Only touch things when you're invited. Always with consent, ladies and gentlemen. Always, always. with consent. Always. But it was a good time. And, um, you know, Friday night, I was able to catch up with uh, our friends from ARGCAST, Robert Workman and David Gitarin, and also our homie, the man, the myth, the legend, the one who walks with the bass in his voice, King Baby Duck from B3Crew.com. And uh, we just had a really great time catching up and talking about stuff from the show. And then we went over to the Acer party, which was absolutely bananas. So much fun. And I just I want to thank Acer and everybody over at Triple Point for extending the invitation. We had a great time. The music was great. They were doing some shout casting where they had uh, Rocket League matches going on where they were having some pro gamers from esports teams play against Joe's regular guys from the audience play Rocket League. And the winners uh, each got some swag which was really cool. They had their new Predator laptops out, which I don't PC game, but they look like pretty bomb-ass machines. We were running a few different games. I actually played a little bit of uh, Rocket League on one of them, and they were just really running like a dream, I gotta say. So if you haven't checked out Acer and their new line of gaming laptops, I highly recommend that you do. You might find a good fit for yourself in there, especially for your budget. So definitely check them out. But we had a great time at the party. They had photo booths everywhere, and it was just a really good time. And like the vibe was great. Like The, the audience was phena- phenomenal. Uh, they had the party over at the house of blues which is a pretty big venue and uh, i would say that we definitely filled the bottom floor to capacity uh, over the course of the evening they had a couple of djs that were playing 
uh, music. I have to give a shout out to Miss Ninja, who was one of the DJs that was holding down the event. She came out from California, and oh my God, she was mixing up like old school hip hop with some dubstep and some really good house and video game soundtracks just so flawlessly. Damn. Like, yeah, she did this One More Chance remix with the coin get noise from Mario Kart and uh, Skrillex. And I was like, this noise, this noise, like I can move to this. Like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And then, and then like some little John popped up and I was like, okay, okay, okay. But it was a really good night and, and we had a blast and the crowds at PAX were absolutely awesome. You know, the vibe was great. Way more cosplayers out and about this year than really any year I'd seen before. So definitely take a look. We didn't take any photos because we didn't have a photographer. And frankly, uh, I didn't want to run around getting releases signed. But I'm sure that between Kotaku, The Verge, and all the other big guys that were in the building to cover the event, that you'll be able to find some really good cosplay roundups. And if we find any, we'll definitely share them on our Twitter. But there's just a, just a ton, a ton of great cosplay. So there's this one girl who created her own Oogie Boogie from the Nightmare Before Christmas costume, and it was absolutely amazing. Shit, that sounds dope. Yeah, it was. So it's just, it's always a good vibe with PAX East in town. I feel like the the whole Southeast Boston area just kind of uplifts and just has a much more positive vibe. Still sad that the Whiskey Priest is gone because that was kind of the affordable hangout to go to at the end of the day with just good food and good beer. But they're putting up a, a complex, an apartment complex over there. So like that whole area has just built up and really turned into a very luxury apartment area so it's kind of hard to just hang out there but you know it seems like the party pretty much has moved it to Boylston Street but yeah really dope you know a lot of really good good friends in town Red Infamy from Geek Game Tight and uh, Hip Hop Gamer were in town Markiplier and Jacksepticeye uh, both had panels uh, this year so they were both in town um, there were a lot of really good panels uh, one of our good friends actually hosted two panels focused on mental health and games and their representation and also what it means. So just lots of really good fun. Our friends from Artcast also uh, did a panel on game food and food and game references and things like that. So just a really good, good time. And it was definitely a good refresher to be around a bunch of gamers and just see so many people sharing their passion for characters that they love and games that they love. And we even got some announcements, which I know you're going to talk about. Some, uh, yes. A little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, also, you are kind of, sort of, too, that came mm-hmm. out of the event a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, we got a bunch of good stuff, but uh, if you're at PAX, then please make sure that you comment on our podcast post when it's on our site and let us know if you were there and if we ran into each other or, you know, what your favorite memory from this PAX that you made was. And if it was your first PAX, you know, share with us your experience. We'd love to hear it. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram at ESH News and share, you know, your favorite photo from PAX East 2019 with us because uh, we always love that. So, So I'm actually going to jump in and talk about a couple of things. First, before I get to like the game stuff of like uh, my new obsession, which is Streets of Rage 4. uh, I mean, it's not a new obsession. It's a revisited obsession. It's a continued obsession because it's another one in the series of the obsession. But Streets of Rage is like, 
probably if I have to list like my top five games of all time, period, it would definitely make my top five. Agreed. I don't know that it would make my top three, but it would definitely make my top five. Uh, because I love brawlers, and I always have. And it's kind of, it's the place that I spent the most time when I was in playing in arcades. It Streets of Rage is one of the few franchises when I was a kid that I followed across consoles and I just was addicted to. I think I made you play more than you ever really wanted to. I mean, I think... It I just, think you enjoyed it, it eventually. It just, it just it it just allowed me to discover the the hidden love I have for hitting bad guys. Yeah, which I mean I don't do in my real life because one mm-hmm. I just I don't have a good form for punching or power for punching. Yeah, but if I did, I would totally be a badass cop in a red miniskirt. You know, <laughs> doing your <laughs> thing, taking doing on my bad things. Like, for sure. But, I mean, I think I found a love for brawlers because of the the forced fun that just became regular fun over time because of you wanting to have a number two to your number one on mm-hmm. those streets of rage, which completely yep. down for. And, I mean, I think when they first were hinting about another streets of rage, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. What's the deal? What's up? Take my money. And right, I heard nothing. So what 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 came out of the PX? Okay, so basically, I got to go hands on uh, with Streets of Rage Four. Uh, so Dot Emu is doing the game, and it is enough of an homage to the franchise, and also adding a little bit of new, definitely new polish. It feels faster. You know, you're not waiting as long for, like, enemies to enter the screen and those kinds of things. If you've ever played a Streets of Rage game or Streets of Rage-like side-scroller brawler, so that includes your double dragons and your, you know, final fights and Fists of Fury, like any of those types of games, it plays just like that. So it's enough of the homage to the original that you you feel like you're just stepping into a game that you've played before. But it looks so new and it looks so polished that it feels new and different. Okay. So basically, it's it's still a side-scroller beat-em-up. You've got a bunch of different attacks. You can juggle more. So, Ooh. you know, you we used to, in Streets of Rage, you picked a character and Blaze was always best, the, the red mini skirt and I guess bikini top because it's not it really more, a halter. It was like a tube top. Yeah, yeah. Was one of the characters. I love Blaze because I loved her spinning kick. Yep. Uh, it allowed you to have some range attack. But it is a brawler, so it's punch, kick, throw, beat the waves of enemies that come at you, beat the boss level, go to the next level, rinse, repeat, to get all the way to the end. The game's always attempted to have a story, so you were usually always trying to take down the crime boss of your city that was empowering all these different gangs that you were running into. In the game, you basically had, I think, like... Truly six or seven unique enemies, and then they would just add on to them and change their color. So just like the ghosts of a different color in Pac-Man, you'd have this one enemy type that appeared in like a yellow jacket, and then the next evolution, the model would still be the same, but it would be in a purple, and maybe they were faster moving, or maybe they did throws more, or they... Yep, the yellow one had a a white mohawk, and he threw all the time. That bastard... (laughs) <laughs> hated him but, I was like oh 
But basically, you punched and kicked your way to ridding the streets of crime. So you you the beat streets. the rage with more rage until there was no more streets on the rage. Right. And then rage the on the streets. Just, they were just not streets of rage anymore. They were just streets. If you could complete it. Now, that being said, it wasn't really always easy to get to the end boss because the amount of enemies that would appear all the time were, were at times very overwhelming. And you had to figure out the patterns of the different characters and the different bosses in order to be able to complete the level. So it wasn't just about brute forcing your way through or overpowering it. You do you did have to, you know, play the game and die a couple of times probably against a boss before you figured out their patterns truly. So I like to think of like these brawlers as like the beginnings of what became the the Dark Souls type thing because you would play the game, especially in the arcade, which is where most of these games started, and you didn't know what a boss was going to do when you first strolled up on him. So you had to kind of move around the level and let him do all of his attacks and figure out, okay, did they change after a certain stage? You know, like Streets of Rage, honestly, was one of the first games, you know, outside of like Mario, where the boss like had two different levels. Like when I would get a boss to half of his life, his attacks became quicker and the patterns changed and those kinds of things. And, and you had to adapt and brawlers did that a lot as their core mechanic. And, you know, sometimes it took you some time to learn that I definitely spelt, spent some time like trying to learn, you know, some of the new guys attacks because I will say that streets of rage four, unlike the earlier streets of rage games, you know, you'd walk into a level and there might be seven guys that, you know, came at you and you might had one extra one that would attack you at the same time, but pretty much like you would aggro one character at a time and start to take them out. Streets of rage four is different than that. Everybody's aggroed. So you absolutely want to play this game with another person. For me, like, Couch Coop is one of my favorite cooperative ways to play games, and I think part of it is because of playing so many fighters and playing so many brawlers when I was growing up, and, you know, having a dedicated player to in Pandalicious, it just was old hat to me. So when I was playing the game, for the most of the time that I was playing it, I was single player, and eventually the person that I was speaking to jumped into the game with me so we could do the dual play, and it definitely felt much better having a, a, a player two going along um, just to manage all the characters, all the baddies that showed up on the screen. But, I mean, basically, it's, it's fucking Streets of Rage, and it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm really looking forward to, to the game when it comes out. I haven't pre-ordered it yet because this is a pay week, but once I do, I'm definitely going to jump in on that because the game is just great. And it's, for me, it hits me right in the nostalgia bone, but in a good way. So, like, from the few, like, uh, images that we've seen from it, it looks like we're only getting Axel and Blaze. So... I can say that those were the only characters that were playable in the demo that I went through. Okay. Because I was, I mean, and I know from the pictures, like, Axel obviously looks older. So, like, this is definitely further in the timeline. Because I yes. think I, I thought at the beginning people were kind of suspicious because I don't think they put a number behind it in the first few shots that we saw of it. So people were like, is this a prequel? Are we going before? Or is this, like, further in the storyline? And jumping into four, like, you know... Three had four characters that you could play. Like, you could play Axel, Blaze, Skate, or, um... I always forget what the fourth yeah, guy's I f- name was. Yeah, I forget was. his name, I don't too. think we played him a lot, which is why I don't remember yeah. what his name was. 
but there were four of them then. And, like, it just makes me wonder, like, what happened to Skate and the other dude? It's like Black Eyed Peas. Like, you got Fergie and you got Will I Am, and they're still in the limelight. But don't forget Taboo and Apple. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, app don't. App. Like, don't. <laughs> they don't, they were don't they were part of the app. team and like skate would be skate would be like an adult now. Yeah. Like. So so the game the game does take place basically 10 years after Streets of Rage 3. Okay. Yeah. So like skate would be like 23. <laughs> yep. Yep. And as you are beating up characters, you know, just like before, like sometimes you would break up things in the environment and find like a turkey to give yourself more health and things like that. Um, mm, turkey leg. Drop, yep. Enemies drop health as well as um, some other power-ups. You can still pick up weapons, so you can knock weapons out of your enemy's hands or in, as you progress through the level, there are sometimes maybe weapons lying around that you can pick up. So again, you know, staying true to the brawler feel of the game, that stuff's all there. You now have, with your power attack, you also slowly heal. So this is a little bit different. You know, before, when you would take damage, like, damage was permanent, and so that would end up to having to put more quarters into the machine or dying a lot more. Now, as long as you're not taking damage, you are going to recover a little bit of your health as you move along. So it's it's designed to keep you kind of in the game a little bit longer because they realize that they're throwing, you know, more enemies with more sophisticated attacks this go around around in the game to you. The AI is smarter in Streets of Rage 4. So I think that, like, this will be a really interesting game, I think, to watch some of the people speed play when okay. it comes out. Because basically, Dot Emu has said that they have, you know, built a pretty smart AI into the boss battles. So, like, if you are hiding in an area or you're way too reliant on weapons, the AI will pick up on that and supposedly compensate for that. So the boss me- battles are meant to be harder than they were in previous games, which I have a lot of respect for. I mean, the game just looks beautiful. Like, if it's some of the, you know, visuals on, like, the flame attacks, because you have flaming fists, because, of course, you have flaming fists. These streets are filled with rage, and rage right. is best embodied and you, and, by fire. And, and you and you know what beats rage is more fire. You're like, you mm-hmm. just put more fire to fire, and then the fire goes out. So, you know, yeah. there's that. And I, and I think part of the reason why I'm just, like, so aesthetically drawn to this is because it's all hand-drawn animation. So it just flows, it's just it's just a beautiful side scrolling beat 'em up. It's hard for me to say more things about it other than I just I want it. <laughs> I, just, I want it. You want I streets just, of want rage and, and you it. want it now. Right. Like I do. I do. We don't have a ship date yet. Oh, we don't. Nope. And I wasn't able to get one out of anybody talking to them. But it is gonna be on console and on PC. So you can get your streets of rage on any way that you like eventually so definitely keep your eyes peeled like a s- trust and believe as soon as we know a ship date you will know a ship date i mean and if you happen to find out about it before we do feel free to tell us <laughs> yeah like hit us up hit us up because um purchases will be made i know my back catalog's kind of long and just looking at me like why you no like me and it's like it's not that i don't like you i just don't want to invest in you emotionally right now Dude, I had two classes this month and a big project launch at nah, work. Nah, 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 and nah, And then nah. I got sick. Just be baller and be like, look, 
I'm into you, just not right now. <laughs> I don't know if that's baller or bitch ass, but I mean, that's a bitch ass fuck boy if I've ever heard one. Serious. Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta be a fuck boy. Like, nope, nope. It, I'm sorry, I disagree with you. You don't ever have to be a fuck boy. You, you just you wind up the, being. You a have fuck the boy. option to fuck boy or not to fuck boy. That is but, the question. <laughs> Look, I don't want to take anybody's options away from them, but don't be a fuckboy. You know what? We don't condone fuckboys here in Ash. We don't so. condone. We don't lift up. We do not support fuckboy and or the fuckboy lifestyle. Just saying that I've been a fuckboy in my life. I've yeah. had fuckboy moments. And I've not been proud of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we keep it real on this podcast. You know, I appreciate you keeping right. keeping me grounded. Right. I mean, I still love you, but as you recall, I let you know when you were getting a little fuckboyish. You were like, "Hey, dial it back some," and I was Just like, a little "I got bit. it." And then, and then I stepped in some doo doo and said, "You know what? You were right. I should I should have calmed it down." Yep. Got burnt by the fire because I yeah. thought I was hot shit. Because fuckboys always get burned by the fire. See, and that's why all you out there, like those who like got your families by birth and your families by you know friends like Mm -hmm. your true fam will always come through and they will tell you the stuff that you don't want to hear but you need to hear yep and they will keep you from from fucking up real bad like there's some life lessons that you have to go through like you have to make mistakes in order to know like what not to do appreciate the messenger don't shoot him right but just realize that, you know, they're, they're saying it to help you. Whether you see mm-hmm. the help for what it is now or you do in hindsight. Yep. Appreciate that it comes because not a lot of people are that fortunate and they don't have that support system. And they end up being fuckboys for life. And don't fuck. nobody need to be that. This is fuckboys fuck for, life. for life. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't. I'm, I'm ashamed that I, those words actually came out of my mouth. In any way that could possibly be possibly taken positively. construe it positively. We're not. We're really We're not. not. We're Don't. really not. Like, mm. I don't want to be like, oh my God, my favorite podcast told me I could be a fuckboy. No, never no. said. No, we you, didn't. You, no. Nope. <laughs> I said it happens. This is an anti-fuckboy PSA. <laughs> the Hashtag don't know. do it. Hashtag don't be a fuckboy. <laughs> yep. Donate Just to charity. Don't, don't be a fuckboy. <laughs> exactly. 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 So uh, before you jump in, and speaking of charity, ooh, nice way to segue into this. So one of the organizations that I love on this planet, Gamers Outreach. Are you familiar with Gamers Outreach, Panda? A little bit, yeah. But okay. So what's going what, on? So what Gamers Outreach does is that they basically build what they call go-karts. And these carts are hospital-grade mobile game systems. So consoles loaded with games, two controllers that they donate to children's hospitals and children's wards across the U.S. so that kids that are in hospitals for long periods of time can have and still experience gaming. Because it's hard, you know, like as an adult being in the hospital for any given amount of time, hospitals are not the most uplifting or enjoyable places to be, especially for a long period of time. And if you're a kid that's in for you know, long-term treatment or long-term illness, you know, it's hard to be a kid in a hospital, you know, especially when 
or if you can't get out of bed regularly, you can't, you know, be around a lot of people and those kinds of things. And so I just think it's great that they donate these carts that are hospital grade, which means they can go into many different wards. They train the staff there on how to use them. They actually have people that volunteer to go in and be player twos for kids so that kids can have, you know, a social experience and and can game and be kids. And I think it's amazing. Can I Um, stop for a second? Like, can you imagine like being being at a hospital like doing doing your thing and someone's like look we need you to take some training and you're like okay sure what's the training on video games like i think it's an it's an amazing thing because you know most of the 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 nursing staff and things like that you know that, that unless they were gamers themselves to come in you know it's not a thing that they know and and when you it's i think for us because so many of us in the community have been gaming for so long it's it's sometimes hard to imagine just how unaware of you know how to use a system from being a complete actual real noob can be because it can be daunting you know if you've never used a video game console before understanding how to load games understanding okay there's going to be updates and wait times and making sure that you have internet connection to get those and you know different gamer accounts have different access to games and you know how you find people to play with online that you know are trustworthy to do that with or not like those are very daunting tasks to the uninitiated right and so there does need to be some training on okay so this is what you're gonna have to to do and and you should you know check every day for game updates and make sure that they run you know because there's nothing worse than telling you know a kid that they're you know that today's the day that they're going to have a go-kart and they're going to be able to play Rocket League or something and then you've got to wait because as soon as you find up the system there's a system update and oh yeah there's a patch update so nothing will run until those are done you know so there's there's those kinds of things in and outs but also just understanding how to use a controller you know if you've never played games before Picking up any game systems controller can be daunting because, oh, my God, there's so many buttons, you know, and and not knowing that there's a space that you can go into a game and see what buttons are mapped to what and then trying to remember that. Like, there's a lot for someone that's not initiated and it's not a regular thing that they do as a hobby need to understand so that they can be a good supportive player two or you know get somebody set up on a system and ready to go so they can just hand over the controller you know especially because you know some people may have some motor skill issues so mapping a controller so that they can play the game is a really important thing and and that does take some training if it's not something that you already do and you're already aware of but there's also people that volunteer as well so you can actually you know get in touch with your local hospital or children's hospital and find out from the people that manage, you know, the the life center stuff for patients, do they have game systems? Do they have carts? Gamers Outreach isn't the only company that's doing entertainment carts, but they're one of the biggest orgs. They partnered with uh, Microsoft a couple of years ago, and so Xbox is, is heavily embedded with the program and, you know, as part of their, you know, games for good initiative, it makes a lot of sense. Um, But you can actually reach out to your local hospital. And if they do have entertainment cards, you can actually volunteer your time because they are looking for people who are gamers, who know these things that, you know, can come in and would be willing to play games with kids for a few hours every week. You know, so I encourage everybody, you know, to do that. Find out if there is a cart um, or a system at your local hospital. And if not, you can actually fundraise. You can start uh, your own fundraiser for a cart. Uh, carts are about 3500 bucks at each. 
They have a system, two controllers, a bunch of games that are already preloaded on the systems, and then the materials that, you know, make them hospital grade so that, you know, they meet all the safety standards for being in a hospital, which is really important in order for them to be able to come into various hospital systems because many systems have some different requirements um, sometimes on, you know, what is electrically allowed, what is hygienically allowed, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But go-karts meet all those things. But you can get involved and find out. And if your local hospital doesn't have one, you can actually, any individual can go and say, you know what, I want to raise money because I want to donate a cart to my local hospital. And so you can start basically like a GoFundMe, but specifically a go-kart fundraiser. Uh, to get the funds together to have the cart built and delivered. They will deliver it. So you just have to raise the funds. So use your social networks to do it. And a cart will be donated. And then training will happen. You can volunteer. If your local group already has some entertainment carts and maybe could use some more, you can fundraise to do one. Or you can just give of your time. One of the things that I'm going to be looking to do um, this fall is actually doing some research in my local area to see if the local children's hospital there has some volunteers. And I'm going to try to volunteer sometimes on some Saturdays to go and be player two for somebody else. Ah, except except if they're your sister. (laughs) Because F that. (laughs) But do it for charity. Don't do it for your siblings. Right. Do it. Do it. I mean, I would do it for somebody else's siblings, just not your own. (laughs) I would I would be your player too now. Well, see, but now I don't play with you. I know. (laughs) You never play with me. That is ever. I've stopped playing with you. I played with you a time ago. Yes, a time ago. Like the land before time. Land before time. In the long, long ago, in the far, far away. (laughs) You're not wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying anything because you're not wrong. Right. But But see, when I go and I do it, like in a month from now, you'll be like, that was so nice. And then it will never happen again. (laughs) Look, I've been sitting on Overcooked 2 just waiting for you. (laughs) Anyway, so. I became a Gamers Outreach a few years ago because one of their founding members is an Xbox MVP, Zach Weigel, who I I am so inspired by this guy on so many levels just because his heart is so big and his ego is not, which is awesome because sometimes you find other people get into doing things as a way to stroke their own ego and those kinds of things, and that's absolutely not the case. Zach is probably one of the most loving people that I've met professionally in my career. And as he told me the story of, you know, his own hospitalization um, when he was a kid, because he got mono and he had to be in the hospital for a long period of time. And, you know, he just was getting bored out of his mind because he didn't have anything to do. And he couldn't go anywhere and he couldn't move. And, you know, he just thought about, you know, how amazing it would be. You know, he had a Game Boy, which helped. But, you know, like just imagining what it would have been like if, you know, he had had an entertainment system while he was there and some of the other people that were there with him, you know, it really sparked him to want to create Gamers Outreach. And so not this weekend, so not PAX weekend, but the weekend before Gamers Outreach held their big, big fundraising event for the year in Michigan, which is Gamers for Good. And basically people from around the country signed up to stream games, to do gaming marathons and raise money for every, you know, minute and hour that they were playing. And the goal was to raise a half a million dollars so that they could build a Damn. shit ton of carts. 
And so it was a two-day goal that they had because they do it over the weekend. And uh, they had one of their largest turnouts because, again, this is people all volunteering. They're flying themselves out. Some of them are bringing their own rigs, you know, and then marathoning for two days to, to raise money for these carts. You know, it's not about fame and, and all those kinds of things. They're just giving of them time and themselves to hit the goal. And I'm so thrilled to say that they not only hit the goal, they blew the goal out of the water. So they were Woo-hoo! trying to raise uh, half a million dollars uh, at the end of Gamers for Good on the Sunday night. They had raised over $637,000. Hot damn. Yeah, so they're so they're going to be able to build like I think somewhere in the neighborhood of like a hundred and thirty thousand or like a hundred and twenty five thousand carts, and that's a big deal. That's a huge deal because that is going to mean that they're going to be able to touch so many more organizations because there are you know like fifty six hundred hospitals across the U.S. and you know out of all of those, less than a hundred have entertainment systems or or cart systems for kids. And that's a big thing. So one of the big things that Gamers Outreach is really trying to do is to get more people to fundraise, to get more carts, and to donate of their time to their local hospitals, or at least start to build a relationship with their local hospitals and let them know that these things exist. Because so many hospitals don't know that, that you know companies like Gamers Outreach are out there to offer these things, you know, if, if they would like to have them in their hospitals. And so I'm just putting the word out there because I love the organization. Uh, I've donated quite a bit. Uh, the Xbox MVPs are actually working to raise money right now for a cart. Uh, we're about $1,500 away from our goal to be able to donate a cart. So uh, I'll make sure that in the show notes here for this podcast that we'll have the link to the MVPs fundraising efforts. So if you can... Every amount helps, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, or more. If you're so inclined and want to help us help kids, I would really appreciate it. Uh, as you can tell, I'm really passionate about this org and what they do, and I just think it's great that games can be healing. And you know, when you think about what it's like to be in a hospital for a long period of time, just to have something that kind of feels normal and kind of feels like your regular routine and can bring some joy and some fun into your day, I think is worthwhile to do. So uh, I hope that you will join me in uh, raising some money for Gamers Outreach and sharing links to their site and other fundraisers that are going because I think that they're just an amazing org and I'm just so happy to play a small part in helping some kids. Oh. Yeah, warm and fuzzies. Yes. No, but I I completely believe in this cause. I'd love to even see, like, I know that this seems to be geared more towards, you know, children who are in hospitals for a long period of time. But, like, does it go all the way up to, like, teens particularly? Yes. Or, okay. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not just kids who get stuck in hospitals for long periods of time. And I mean, I haven't recently been in the hospital, but someone very close to me was was in there for a couple of days. So, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to live a chunk of your life, even during like a developmental part of one's mm -hmm. life, you know, sick. So like my heart goes out to anyone who's had to go, has had to walk that journey. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in the instance with this particular person I'm talking about, like I had stuff already prepared and, you know, even though they weren't in there that long, like... You know, when you can't really move and you're kind of really stuck, you know, in one place for so long, it was nice that I had something set up for them. So, like, they had their, 
their e-reader and their laptop and, you know, their switch and, you know, so that they had stuff because the TV was broke in their room. So they really couldn't listen to TV. And even, even when you are, when you have that capability, it's not usually, there's nothing really great on TV when that happens. Right. Cause it's all broadcast TV. It's not like the bringing yeah. cable. Exactly. And I mean, I tried to bring in an HDMI so that we could <laughs> hook up their laptop so that they could like look at their Hulu and their Netflix. Like we tried a whole lot of things. And I mean, there was a time that I was in the hospital for a chunk of time because I nearly died. But we don't go into that now. But no, not now. Not now. But like then it was very it was very scary for uh, the, the Esh household when it, it didn't look too great for me. And I mean, I was in there for maybe four days, maybe five, and we didn't have the capabilities that we have now. So like, mm-hmm. and I shared a room until I had a freak out and then they put me in my own room, which was smart. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but, you know, I didn't have, we didn't have, you know, 3DSs and laptops of that you know, nature when that happened to me. Like, I think I just got my first laptop and there was no way Eshmom was bringing that in. No. You know, because, I mean, I had I had my addictions and stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. That's that's a different... That's a, diff- almost a different like a panda. different lifetime. A different, a different panda, a different alternate timeline. But now I think, like, that's that's a great, great thing to offer a fragment of a life when you have to put your life kind of on hold to heal. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm going to, cause this is also my pay week. I know I'll be making a donation. So I'll be checking out those deets and doing the good deed. Yeah. Do the good deed. I mean, we're the, the beautiful thing about our community is that so much of our community wants to give back and wants to, you know, share the the good things that we do and we have going on in the community. It's not just, you know, the stereotype things of loners in our basement. I would say that probably the gaming community is probably as a whole one of the more social, I actually want to do things with other people communities, um, which is embodied by just, you know, how big the LFG, G rooms and let's play together things and let's experience things together things at gaming conventions are, you know, and so for me, I look at all of this and I just think any opportunity that I have to one, share this passion for this thing that I have with somebody else, two, to make somebody's day a little bit better and three, to be able to help, just just help in some way somebody else. I want to do those things because I've had those things happen to me from people in the community. And so I'd like to give that back. And I think that, you know, what what Gamers Outreach is doing with their go-karts is like amazing stuff. And I just, I want to see that continue to grow and to be more. And, you know, I, I would love for it to, to your point, to grow just beyond, you know, really trying to service carts for children's wards and hospitals, but also just for the hospitals in general. You know, the average age of gamer is not in their teens, they're in their mid to late thirties, you know? And so not that I am hoping that I'm going to end up in the hospital at any time too soon for a long period of time, but it would really be comforting, comforting to me to know that should that happen, I wouldn't have to just stare at broadcast TV or the walls or my bed all day long, but I would have some other things to do that would give me some sense of normalcy and playing games would be a part of that. Here, here. All right, so I'm going to wrap up the show with another topic. Why don't I shut up and let you talk? Because I know that you have some stuff that you want to talk about. 
I mean, it's really just one thing. I know, but it's kind of for you. I know a big thing. So it is, but also and? kind of in, I mean, but I'm getting to it. God. Well, I want to hear. I want to hear. I'm so nosy. Some game news came out and a release of a trailer came out. And very much I like to talk about the hype train and the the pitfalls and the rises that is the hype train. And Mm -hmm. we we recently got a more in-depth trailer for Borderlands 3. Now, it's not. Yeah, Gearbox, what's up? Yeah, Gearbox had a panel at PAX East where they said, hey, you know, you knew we were doing it because we kind of there were some leaks earlier yep. of some of their stuff. And then they got really hushy about it. And they're like, well, you kind of already knew. But like, here's what you don't know. And I mean, even then, they didn't give us a whole lot, just enough to like stoke the fire. All right. So break down what they shared on Borderlands 3 and your take on it and... So- so, I mean, let's let's just kind of talk about it as a whole, because I think, for one, Borderlands okay. has been kind of out of the loop for a lot of stuff. So, if you are not of the Borderlands variety, literally, the story goes like this. There is a planet. It's Pandora. And it's pretty much like if a Western and sci-fi planet had a baby, and then aliens and magic happened, sort of, to the planet also... But anyway, so Pandora is this planet that, like, all hell's kind of breaking, broken loose on. And there are apparently there are these rumors of these giant vaults that are on Pandora that have, like, unspeakable technology and power and riches. And this has pretty much inspired space kind to become vault hunters, which they, they go to Pandora and they look for these mystical vaults that are like in the center of the planet. And it's kind of Mad Maxian because, you know, you've got different factions of people all also looking for this treasure and also just trying to have their own place of dominance and power and like are just trying to do their thing, whatever their thing is. Be a warlord, do it on Pandora. Want to find some gold? Go to Pandora. And the story took place, well, obviously in Borderlands 1, where you are one of four vault hunters, each of them with their own special abilities. And not everybody has, like, these are very special abilities that not everybody else on Pandora has. So, like, you are clearly a special kind of humanoid, because I don't like to say humans, because not everybody that you encounter, I think, is from Earth. Not that they fully, like, mention any of that. But okay. as but as the story is going on, whoever you are, and it's a co-op game, so you can be any of the four, and you can couch coop and have the whole team with you as you're navigating the story. And as you're going through it, you eventually find, like, the big vault, which is kind of the premise of the first game, was to find this mega, mega vault. And when you get to it, people are like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't open it. We only heard rumors of riches and stuff, but, like, no one's really said what what's really in there because no one's ever found it. And when you go and you do, you pretty much unleash hell. All of these super powerful, you know, technology that Hyperion wants to take advantage of, and they kind of do in the first game. So, actually, you're you're more worse for wear from the end of the first game. Okay. And then in the second game, we got introduced to a primo villain with Handsome Jack, which Borderlands, like Gearbox, you you nailed 
you nailed this villain head, nail, hammer, bam, bam, bam. Like he was very charismatic and clearly had his own motivations and he had a really great why, which I think we've talked about on the show many times where I love a villain who is well-rounded and like you can clearly see that, yes, their intentions may be bad, but it probably didn't start from a bad place. Like there's some development there and Handsome Jack, I think, had a absolutely great story behind what made him Handsome Jack. And they actually okay. and they actually diverge it and actually give you a little bit more about him through Tales from Borderlands, which was the Telltale game that I think Gearbox like teamed up with Telltale, rest in peace Telltale, when they did that. And I mean, also what was going on in Borderlands too is you have a character type called the Siren, which I play a lot of when I play a Borderlands game. And you were Lilith in the first game and like she has these tattoos and she had these abilities where she could like phase walk and like use like, you know, energy projectiles and like she could like kind of turn into like a phoenix with like red fiery type stuff. Like she has this ability that no one seems to really get or understand. And you find out that there's a lot more to sirens than than just that. And not every siren doesn't have the same abilities either. Believe it or not, when you go into Borderlands 2, you encounter another siren, Maya, who hers are completely different from Lilith's powers. And you find out that, I believe, in the pre-sequel, you encounter another lady whose name I can't remember because I didn't finish the pre-sequel. But she's being used by Hyperion. And I think she's handsome jack's daughter and i'm using air quotes which i really shouldn't because this isn't a video podcast so you guys can't see when i do that but he's been exploiting her power and like using her to do all this stuff and you find out that she also is a siren type now granted she kind of goes batshit crazy and you end up having to kill her (laughs) but sirens are few and far between which is kind of weird because it seems like in every borderlands game we get a siren So it's like, so they're not as rare as you'd think, but they are based off your lore. And it seems like people are trying to find sirens and trying to unlock whatever, like, potential there seems to be untapped in them. And sure enough, um, with the trailer that we got for Borderlands 3, we have another siren. Her name is Amira, or Amara. She's also, I think, of the uh, Tanner variety, from the few shots that I've seen. And she's kind of, she's actually kind of a tank, which, I mean, every time I've played a siren, I mean, I just am kind of guns blazing, pew pew in the face, face walk, you can't touch me, nah, 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 nah. But like, she is kind of like, um, if you took the female brute type from Overwatch, who has the pink hair, I didn't Uh... play, I can't remember what her name is, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So she's kind of got that build. Like, she's kind of like... An, yeah, like I never bulk- played her. But, so like, I, I mean, those who do, like, play her well. But, like, I, I've i never played her. But, like, she Amara kind of has that similar build. Where, like, she's kind of bulky and, and muscular. I definitely do think from the few screenshots I'm looking at that she definitely looks like she could be of color. But granted, when you live in a desert, you know, planet with no sun, I'd imagine everyone's slightly tan unless you're living underground. But... She, or at least it looks like her siren abilities actually allow her to develop Shiva hands. Mm -hmm. So she has six more arms 
plus her actual two. It looks pretty baller. And the fact that she's a tank and now has eight arms kind of like an arachnid. Like, I don't know if there's a play on that or not, but there it could very well be. They wanted to give you the run of the mill. Hey, here are your four hunters. And I mean, they haven't really confirmed their names. So people are just going off of the leaks that happened previous to the, the trailer release. But I think what's going to happen now, which it seems to be the trend right now, is in games we're now getting villains that are not singular villains you know now we have like double villains or like twin villains like we had that in near automata with the two machines they Mm -hmm. were twin brothers essentially their code was the same but whatever you know and then in fallout new dawn zaria her name was zaria okay thank you Thank you. Yeah, I was like, so, I'm literally like in my head, I'm running through, I'm like, uh, 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 diva, and then... Okay, yeah, so so Amara kind of has that kind of build, Okay, but she has like a long-ish, like, uh, I think half of her head shaved, and she's got like purple dreads, so like, baller, I kind of dig it. Yep. And she totally looks like she's like ready to kick ass and take names, or, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. We're here to take, take names and kiss ass, or something like that. Um, but like, she's, she's baller, for sure. The thing I'm kind of curious about is the big bads for Borderlands 3 are these twin brothers. They're the Calypso twins. And I think it's really kind of funny because, once again, they're playing off light and dark. Because if you look at their animations, like, one of the brothers, like, has, like, a black pompadour kind of look. And then the other brother has, like, icy white hair. And, like, they clearly are not good guys. Mm -hmm. But once again, I'm once again, I'm curious about what their why is. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got brothers this time. And I mean, I'm kind of digging it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I like a runny, shooty game. I like a game that doesn't take itself way, way, way too seriously. Granted, in Borderlands 2, we got got some seriousness that really, really bothered me. And for those who haven't played Borderlands 2, I'm going to spoil the fuck out of it because it's it's been a while. There have been several other iterations of this game that have come out, so I don't it's feel bad for you. It's been a while. I don't feel bad for you. If you played the, I'm going to call him the Sniper, but I think he had a different name than that, but Mordecai, and he has a bird that you yep. can use to fight. And Handsome Jack fucks up Mordecai's bird And, like, you end up having to kill Mordecai's bird because he, like, does some shit to him and he, like, turns into a big monster. And it's really kind of sad because I think it's the first time that we've really seen a true loss for any of the playable characters. And, like, they actually gave, like, Mordecai, like, a really interesting arc with that. Because, you know, when you play these characters, you don't sit there... And, like, really digest their narratives because you you put yourself into that body and then you become that character. Like, oh, this is my Lilith. I designed my Lilith this way. This is how my Lilith fights. And when you finally got the little bit of Lilith narrative, you're like, yeah, okay. But then you're kind of back to the shooty, shooty, gunny, gunny, you know, numbers on the screen. And... When the whole Mordecai thing happened, like, I was playing with a friend of mine who was playing the Mordecai character, and I was like, crap, man. Holy fucking shit. Once again, I don't like when animals get hurt in any in any game or in real life, so I think that was, like, the first time where I was like, I have a rage. Mm-hmm. Not a streets of rage, because I'm on a planet, but, like, now right. I really want to get Handsome Jack, because he just fucked up this bird, and this bird did nothing to him. Yeah. So... 
Like, I'm kind of curious whether or not we're we're going to get any more, like, nuggets of realness. Because Borderlands has always played far more light and comical. Uh-huh. Like, and that was, like, the first, like, tilt in the narrative for me personally. Well, I mean, With- one of their biggest, you know, selling marketing points is, you know, crazy amounts of guns and, and combinations. And more guns than you could them. ever count. Right, right. You know, and so they, they always have gone for the fun over the top thing and humor i think that gearbox is probably one of the few game creators that i've seen do comedy well in a game and it not be cheesy Mm -hmm. the way that people don't like claptrap isn't because it's a bad character it's because it's a good bad character like it is so good and funny the way that they make claptrap just annoying I mean, Cla- I don't think I don't think I would ever peg Claptrap to be a villain. No, but Claptrap is definitely annoying. I mean, I think Claptrap was kind of meant to be like this generation's Navi. Yep. <laughs> In a way where you're like, ugh, I really wish you would shut up and only help me when it's when it's valid, right? But like, <laughs> yeah. But the so, way that so it's that. delivered, I mean, you're even laughing as you're describing it. It's delivered very well. You know, there are ways that you could do that and it just be really bad and it become a character that everybody just outright hates and it could be detrimental to your game. And it's an additive bonus to the game. And so I think that Gearbox has really done a great job of of riding that line and yeah. understanding. Well, I humor mean they're they're and- definitely branching out with, with Borderlands three because I mean all three I mean the, at least the first two games and the prequel really focused on Pandora as where everything went down. Or rather, mm-hmm. I think with Hyperion, you know, you have Hyperion on Pandora's moon. You know, yep. so like that's kind of the farthest that we've been in all of space. And now in Borderlands 3, we're actually going further. We're actually hitting up totally different worlds now. From some of the um, shots that we've seen, we're actually going to see like a big city, which is not something that we've ever seen on Pandora because, you know, this is literally, you know, martial law. Like, this is my mountain. That's your mountain. Don't fuck with my mountain or I'll fuck with your mountain. And now we're actually going into more developed areas. And I actually think now we're actually going to see some more development with the whole siren thing, like I was mentioning earlier, because in the trailer, we actually see Lilith, who was the the first siren that we encountered in one. So there you will see a lot of familiar faces who have grown over time. Tiny Tina is now regular because she is no longer tiny. Mm -hmm. But we now see, I think from the trailer, you saw Lilith crawling on the ground, looking very beaten up and her tattoos are gone, which now kind of leads me to believe that somebody or some corporation of somebody's has the ability to take and steal siren power and harness it for whatever their evil intention is. And I don't know if that's necessarily the Calypso brothers or not, but that would be an interesting direction to take it in. But now I think we're going to have like the overall story being, okay, we need to find what sirens we know about and like keep them safe. I mean, granted, none of them are damsels in distress. Like, they're all fighters. Like, none of them Mm -hmm. are delicate at all, you know, but, like, try to figure out what's the deal with sirens. Like, what what makes them? Why do they have these abilities? What what was what's their purpose? Like, I'm actually looking forward to seeing them develop that a little bit more because they've clearly planted the seed a long time ago. And now we're 
we're supposed to get more details about, you know, the game on, I think they said April 3rd, they were going to be making an announcement because, you know, they confirmed the game. At yeah, but they, have, but they haven't given us no date. <laughs> no date. That seems no to be date. in common. No one wants to give dates no more because now if they don't make the date, they're like, oh, fuck. Everybody's holding, holding the date like, like hey. a little secret. It's like, hey, guys, save the date when we tell you when it is, when we know yep. when it is. <laughs> so we want you to save this date because on this date, we're going to tell, tell you, you another date. date. And and then when we get to that date, we're probably going to tell you that it's actually going to be this date. Ha! Surprise ha. twist. I heard you like dates, so I put a calendar in your calendar so you can calendar when you calendar. Biatch. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I guess uh, the question that I have is, you know, there are so many people in the gaming community now that, you know, maybe didn't play any of the original Borderlands titles, you know, one or two. Or maybe their only introduction to, like, the Borderlands realm was Tales from the Borderland. Or maybe they didn't even do that. So knowing what the the, the landscape of games looks like right now, you know, with, with Battle Royale just blowing up everything. I mean, we've got Battle Royale tetris right now which is oddly satisfying and i i really didn't think would be but it is but do you think that the gaming community the consumer group as a whole is actually going to you know be drawn to borderlands when while it is multiplayer it's definitely not at least as we know it right now battle royale do you do you think that there's space for borderlands and for it to be successful in the current game landscape so i mean i'm gonna i'm just gonna say the quick answer and i and i believe yes and here's why because borderlands has had such a good rapport with its fan base with its demographic and i think it's been long enough because i mean tales from the borderlands was far more of a story Mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. and we haven't had a borderlands type game that is on that same level in a long time and i mean the world itself was just so diverse and i mean yeah it's not battle royale but you're literally running and gunning the entire game so it still has a lot of those found foundational things that i think are appealing to the game the battle royale crew mm-hmm. yeah you gotta you gotta touch down on pandora wherever you're going you gotta have your guns you gotta shoot people in the face and then you know unlike unlike with battle royale where you have to talk smack to you know other people because it makes you feel good like you could just have those conversations with ai that don't get butt hurt over it so like it it i think fills some of the basic needs that people who play battle royale games want and i also think that one, it will give people a different avenue to get those types of feelings, their gamer feelings out without having to resort to that. And I mean, like with all games, I think anything new that comes out, like case in point, like when the remake of RE2 came out, a bunch of people went over to that, got their fix and then went back. So I think we're going to see some yo-yoing and some boomeranging a little bit. But mm-hmm. I think it will be a much needed break or vacation from the Battle Royale-itis that has infected the gaming community. That makes sense. That yeah. Makes sense. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited for it, and I'm, you know, I'm going I'm going to get it when they release the date, so I know how long I'm waiting for. Are you going to play it with me? Because I bought Borderlands Two to play with you, and what are you gonna Are you gonna get it on the Xbox? 
<laughs> Listen to me. Compl- are you? What are you gonna get it on? You're already like getting nasally. Uh, so, first no. of all, I have no room to put anything on my PlayStation because okay. it's just so full. <laughs> it's so full, and I'm not putting a new hard drive in that sucker. Okay, all right. Um, well then, X. So I've got an Xbox eight terabyte is. drive hanging off my Xbox. So guess where my games are going? All be? right, it's going on the Xbox. All right then. Because, I mean, the thing about Borderlands that I really liked was being able to play with people. And, I mean, I don't think I ever played with a full team either. It was always me and somebody else. I think I had, like, a hardcore dude, Mike, who I don't even play games with no more. Because, like, we just grew apart, which, you know, that happens, whatever. It does. And I don't think my husband's really big into Gearbox. I don't think I've ever seen him. Pl- uh, I saw him play Tales of the Borderlands, but I don't think I've actually seen him play a Borderlands. And I don't think we've ever played together a Borderlands game, but like I plan to play it, and I mean, I'd love to have a crew, and I mean, who better than flesh and blood, you know? I mean, so, I'm down to mess around. I'm down to shoot things in the face and not All get, right. I mean, and get shot so, back at. So, but you guys have heard it here on the podcast. Panda has sub subtly said <laughs> Borderlands 3 gameplay. Us together, happening. So hold your. And we're going to stream it on Mixer. We probably are going to stream it on Mixer. I wouldn't be, be very clear. I I knew that was coming. They'd it's, be like, "Here's the tangible proof." Yep. That Panda's not a bitch the, all the time, and she the will Mixer play games. Are coming, guys. So keep keep your ears, you know, peeled. Keep your keep your ears open and your eyes listening at the ready. Keep, <laughs> get the visine drops. Just keep blinking. Just keep blinking. Because it's coming. It's coming. For real. All right. So the last thing I want to end on, I was going to talk about EA and their layoffs, but really at the end of the day, fuck that noise. We all know it's bullshit. We don't like it. I want to talk a little bit about Apple Arcade. Did you hear about this announcement? What? Yeah. So Apple had their kind of entertainment briefing. And during the briefing, they, you know, announced that they were doing magazine subscriptions and Apple News Plus. So basically for, I think it's like 10 bucks a month or some stuff like that, you get access to like all these different magazines. So like Variety, The New Yorker, like all those things, plus your normal Apple News. So rather than having to do all these independent subscriptions to magazines, you can just pay one fee in Apple News and get stories from all kinds of clubs, plus have access to full additions to magazines like Essence and Ebony and all those guys that are important to us, which, you know, sounds cool. And I'll be talking about that. But another announcement that they made was this Apple Arcade subscription. And the best way to kind of describe it or to think about it would be Games Pass, but for iOS devices. So they've partnered with a bunch of different developers and game studios to create games for Apple Arcade. And basically, you pay a subscription fee and you have access to all of these games. They're all high production games, so they're not just simple, you know, like $1.99 puzzlers, but many of them are, I would say, I would put like in the Stardew Valley and like Campo Santo kind of okay. polished games. Some of the games that they showed off in the announcement looked really interesting. But what was key was that it was going to be a single monthly fee. You have access to all the games in their full entirety in 
Arcade, that the games that are going to be in Arcade are games that were made for Apple Arcade, and there were going to be absolutely no in-game purchases for any of these games. So by paying the subscription fee, you would always have full access to full games. So there wouldn't be anything behind paywall. Oh, okay. And you would have access to the games in their entirety. So, you know, I'm waiting to see what their their kind of cycling is. They haven't announced pricing for it yet. It's supposed to be coming in the fall. But it's interesting to me because, you know, I don't play a lot of games on my phone. There are a few games that I have, you know, some quick time wasters like Dots. And I used to play Threes like crazy because it was a really fun puzzler for me. And I did the Words with Friends things for a while. And Word Boiler, I was like mad, mad competitive with Esh Mom over until she started buying things. And I was like, okay, if you're going to buy Get Outs, then like we've gone to another level. We need to take it down <laughs> But I, I don't really play a lot of games on my phone. When I'm on the go, I typically bring my Switch with me or I bring my iPad. It's very rare that I bring my Switch and my iPad just because I have the almost 13-inch iPad. I have the 12-inch, 12.9-inch uh, iPad. And so because when I travel, I like to watch movies on that because I like to watch movies on a nice screen. I would be more inclined to play games on my iPad if there were great games to play on my iPad, I think that there are some really good games right now in the App Store, but not, you know, the types of things that I would be, you know, willing to plunk down like 11 or $12 on or, you know, repetitively getting a lot of in-game purchases. As you guys know, like Paywall is one of the things where I really start to question a game and I start to feel like, okay, was this content that was really added on and it's value add or was it in the game originally and you stripped it away just because you could put it behind a paywall and then that's where I start to catch some feelings and it takes away from my overall appreciation and experience of the game. But I like the idea with Apple Arcade that any game that you get, it's yours and it's always going to be the full experience. There's not going to be in three months, hey, here's new DLC, and if you give us just a few more dollars, you can have it right now. It will be yours. So for as long as the game evolves, it's yours in Apple Arcade. And I think that there are so many people that are traveling around with iPad Airs now. You know, they released the new one with the new pencil and, and iPad Pros, that that could become a very lucrative market not just for Apple, but also for developers, because there's, you know, there's still a long process. I think that, you know, the big three are doing a better job of paying a little bit more attention and, and giving some love to indies. But I, I don't think that it's equivalent to the triple A focus yet. You know, ID at Xbox is doing a pretty good job of surfacing new indie games and bringing them onto the platform, but they don't always get the marketing love that, you know, AAA or third party gets when they come onto the platform. Same thing with Nintendo, same thing with PlayStation. You know, if you look at, you know, the announcement of what ID is doing with Game Pass versus, you know, the PlayStation announcement and even Nintendo's indies thing, it's getting better, but it's still not great. There and yet. There's exactly. And there are so many developers out there that are making some really cool experiences and really pushing the boundaries of what our tech can do that still haven't quite found the marketplace for them. You know, Steam is definitely a great place, but there's so much crap that you have to sift through on Steam until you get to the jewels and the gems mm -hmm. that I think having another marketplace that 
from the get-go is designed to market itself well. Because love or hate Apple, you we all have to kind of agree that Apple's great at marketing its products and its stores and items in its stores. I agree. I completely so agree to that, yes. I, I think that that is, you know, a value for independent developers that steam and the big three and you know maybe even epic to a degree with their storefront aren't really considering is that really to be successful it's not about just having a place to sell my game and getting a good cut of the sales for putting my game in the store but also it's help on highlighting the game and marketing the game and reaching an audience that would be interested in the game. That's that's really where an independent company really needs the help because many of them don't have the funding or the knowledge or the resources in-house to market themselves really well. And so it'll be interesting to to kind of watch how Apple Arcade ends up stacking up against, you know, the subscription-based game model many companies seem to be working towards and embracing the independent community. I'm curious to see how this is going to unravel because, like I said, I don't play a lot of games on my iOS devices. But if the right games show up, it may be worth a subscription to do that. I probably would explore more games that way and put more games on my iPad Pro and maybe even travel with my Switch less because I won't have to have the two devices. I can have my game experience and my movie watching experience for when I fly because I do a lot of flying. I got the TSA Pre now, but back in the day when I didn't, it was a pain in the ass to have to take out my phone, my iPad, my Switch, go through security with no shoes on. And they always stopped it because even though the Switch has been out forever, more times than not, the TSA didn't recognize what it was. So I have to sit there and have my bag swapped down. And then they open up the Switch and they'll be like, oh, what's this? And I got to explain it's a game thing and then turn it on. And they're like, okay, it's not a bomb. You cannot put all your stuff back in your bag and go about your bit. Like it was a pain in the ass. And so that's why I didn't do it because it was just so many devices. And when you're flying by yourself, that's a pain. Like yes, you just don't want to go through <laughs> like just to have some entertainment on your five hours, six hours, six and a half hour flight. But I'm intrigued. I'm not sold on it yet, but I'm intrigued by it. So definitely as more details become available and pricing becomes available, we're going to revisit this topic. But if you haven't checked out the announcement, definitely do. I think it's interesting to watch. I think that it's for me kind of just a, a reaffirmation from a big company that Mobile gaming is here to stay. It is a big business, and there are going to be more marketplaces for it. Okay. Yeah. So that's here, it. Here. That That's all I got for this, this week. I think you're all wrapped up as well, Panda, unless I missed anything. No, that's really, that's really it. And, I mean, obviously, now I have to hold up my part of the bargain and play Borderlands 3 with you when it comes out. Yep. And, I mean, I, I actually look forward to it, sis. I'm actually looking forward to playing Yay! Borderlands 3 with you. Yay! I'm excited too. So if you enjoyed this podcast episode, then please make sure that you check it out on our website, electricsisterhood.com, as well as uh, the other great preview, review, and editorial content that the entire team creates. There's a lot of great stuff up on the site right now from PAX East. Uh, KBD's just been going crazy reviewing and playing games. You definitely want to check out all that stuff. So hit up electricsisterhood.com to check out our whole archive of podcast episodes. You can also get our podcast through iTunes, either on the desktop 
or through the podcast application on your iOS device by searching for the Eshcast and hitting subscribe. That ensures that you get our brand new episodes the moment we put them out on the web for your consumption. If you're enjoying what we do, then please hit us up on our social. You can get us on Instagram at ESH News, on Twitter at ESH News, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Land of Esh. Let us know if there's something that you want us to share on the podcast, a game that you'd like to get our thoughts on so we'll play it and maybe review it or if you have any questions you can hit us up if we play the game or we take you up on your recommendation or decide to answer your question we'll give you a shout out here on the podcast you can definitely get our podcast through other means as well if you're not living la vida i you can find us on google play you can find us on stitcher radio you can also find our show on the vogue network on vognetwork.com our show airs on Tuesday, right before Anime Jam Session. Another great show that you should check out on the Vogue Network, as well as some of their other amazing content and their Twitch streams are bomb. So make sure that you visit VogueNetwork.com. Give them some love and let them know that the chicks from Electric Sisterhood sent you. If you enjoy what we do here, then please make sure that you check out all the other great content creators that are part of our network. That includes our homie, King Baby Duck over at B3Crew.com and his bi-weekly podcast, No Borders, No Race. Great content across the board, whether it's indie music, entertainment, manga, movies, music, video games, or more. Definitely make sure that you check out all the stuff that is going on at B3Crew.com and subscribe to his bi-weekly podcast, No Borders, No Race. You can even learn a little bit of Japanese, which is kind of dope. Wednesdays, be sure to check out our homie Hamsterman2049 live on Twitch playing retro games and new. You can jump into chat, be part live, ask questions, all that good stuff. He streams at 9 Eastern typically on Twitch and you can check out his website, smashedrook.com. One of my favorite human beings on the planet, Phil the Issues Guy with Phil's Recap and Review, which you can check out on YouTube. Subscribe and click the bell to get notifications when he has new recaps going up. If you enjoyed Vikings, definitely check out his recaps because they're really enjoyable. I think they're more enjoyable than the show, but that's just me. And you can check out his archive of shows on his website, IssuesProgram.com. And also check him out when he's doing some of his random streams live on Twitch on his channel. Get the links right there on his site, IssuesProgram.com. And then last but certainly not least, the nerds over at NerdCrave.com. Keeping you up to date with all the stuff that nerds crave, whether it's comic books, video games, music, anime, movies, whatever. If it's nerdy at all, the nerds over at NerdCrave.com are definitely talking about it. So with that, it's time to wrap up this episode of the podcast. As always, I am Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. Until next time, folks. Titties.